everybody, and welcome back to episode 9 of Traffic Jam. It's Isabel, and as always, I'm joined by Georgia. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming back to this podcast if you've been listening. And if you're just finding this episode, welcome to our show. Today is part two of talking about sugar relationships. So if you haven't listened to episode eight, maybe go back and listen to that first. Yes, that really sets a lot of the foundational uh, knowledge about what sugar relationships are, who's involved, and why. Um, But today, then, we're going to get really into um, the way that sugar relationships are glamorized by the media, but then some of the realities and potential harms uh, that can come about from these relationships. And most importantly, Isabel, did you do your homework and did you watch Pretty Woman? Yes, I did watch Pretty Woman because I knew I'd be embarrassed if I didn't because I knew you were going to ask me about it. It was definitely a classic. I can't believe I have actually never seen it before. Um, So if anybody is like me and never saw it, you should go see it. Um, My favorite part, though, was when uh, Julia Roberts was out shopping and the store owners were underestimating her, thinking she couldn't afford uh, any of the items that she wanted to buy. And they were like being kind of snooty to her and giving her some attitude. But then that guy like walks in and then they're like, oh shoot. <laughs> we didn't know who we were dealing with. Yes, that's one of the most iconic parts about that movie. Not to mention her prostitution outfit. On point. Stellar. Well, if you are enjoying this episode, please go ahead and share it with your friends and family. Check out all of our social media pages that are going to be linked in the episode description. We also have our Etsy store that has Traffic Jam merch, Moms and Security merch. If you do buy anything, please go ahead, post it on your social media and tag us in them. We want to see it um, and help spread awareness on human trafficking. Also, we are going to link our seven-part sugar series in our blog. So if you haven't gotten a chance, please check those out. Now let's get into it. Sugar dating has become widely accepted in the U.S. uh, concurrently with the rise of modern-day feminism. Sugar dating websites and blog pages dedicate themselves to hyping up the lifestyle of a sugar baby uh, as filled with endless gifts and travel and life experiences and seemingly endless amounts of money sounds pretty nice right duh other media outlets have used their platform to relay similar messages about the exotic life of a sugar baby literally if i do even a quick google search of life as a sugar baby it will reveal thousands of links which feature videos blog posts websites millions of connections to the sugar world And a majority of these sites and posts paint sugar dating in a positive light. So on today's episode, we're going to debunk it. I have a story here from a secret sugar baby that was posted on Grazia. Uh, It was an interview in which the sugar baby discusses her life as a sugar baby. Uh, She hides this reality, though, from her friends uh, and her children but uses the relationship to fund herself, her family, and her own business. And what she says is, and I have a few quotes here. First, but I was, 
am ambitious for more. A financial leg up from an attentive, successful man was appealing. She also says, It was a conversation with a school mom in the playground that gave me the idea. I was asking her about her love life when she leaned in close and explained the real reason for the shiny designer handbag draped across her shoulder. She was a sugar baby. That night, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was less interested in the fancy handbags or Michelin star dinners, although admittedly they were a lovely perk, but more about the prospect of cash injections and advice to push my business forward. And finally, she also says, at some point, I'll want to stop being a sugar baby, but making money is my main priority right now. That said, our feelings are getting stronger as time goes on. So who knows what will happen in the future? So what I'm taking from these quotes is that this sugar baby is using her sugar daddy as a bank, as a funding source. He's giving her all this money and she's putting it into her business, which is fine. That's better than spending it silly nilly. And, but she does say that the handbags and Michelin star dinners are nice, but she doesn't seem to have any type of initial connection with the man besides his bank account. Although you do see in that last quote, she is prioritizing the money, but she used our, our feelings are getting stronger as the time goes on. So you can see that maybe she is actually falling for this man and she thinks he's also falling for her but she's been hiding this from her family and her kids and her friends so how do you introduce them to your new boyfriend new husband one day do you explain the origins of the love story we shall see but that's just one story The popular social media app, TikTok, which has over 1.5 billion active users at the time of this recording, it additionally spreads the message of sugar dating in a positive way. There are videos that use the hashtag sugarbaby, and they have over 720 million views on the platform. These videos in particular portray the lifestyle as glorious and glamorous in which sugar babies share their gifts. They share their trips and their tips on how to find sugar parents. Interestingly enough, 57% of TikTok users are female and the majority of users are between 19 and 29 years old, which makes it the perfect place to target potential sugar babies. As we discussed in our last episode, how college students in particular are such a huge part of the market. But TikTok does not allow OnlyFans, sex work, or solicitation on their site. They do allow sugar content. Um, The Our Community Guidelines makes it clear that they do not allow content that commits, uh, promotes, or glorifies sexual solicitation, and they take action when issues are brought to their attention. Uh, The media platform enables sugar content while dismissing other forms of sex work and solicitation. And this 
Um, and this just helps make sugar relationships appear to be more acceptable to society. Which, as we are learning, they technically are more acceptable on the surface level. But what's not talked about nearly as much are the painful realities that sugar relationships bring, especially to the sugar baby. One thing uh, I read from a Business Insider article that was written by an anonymous uh, sugar baby stated, Interestingly enough, some of the sugar community even finds our terms sugar baby and sugar daddy to be awkward and have evolved to refer to each other as SBs and SDs. This is an interesting quote because sugar babies and sugar daddies are willingly entering these relationships. So to not want to be called a sugar baby or a sugar daddy is kind of hypocritical because that's what you are, you know? Well, it's off-putting because, I mean, even we talked about in last episode that a lot of the sugar dating websites are trying to move away from all those transactional terms because it does kind of repulse some people. And so they use terms like dating up um, or finding a high-value man to make it sound better. And that's exactly what, you know, changing the terms uh, in this case is doing as well because people don't appreciate it. So we went from sugar dating because prostitution sounded too explicit. But now we have to sugarcoat the terms for sugar dating because nobody wants to be called that in public and it makes them uncomfortable. But the real reason we want to spend time talking about the realities and harms is because we live in a world where sexual autonomy and doing whatever pleases you must be accepted and praised. You know, it's not okay to kink shame or judge somebody else's relationship. And a lot of the time, the world will act like there are no consequences, just as long as everybody's smiling on the surface. However, actions do have consequences, and it is so important to be aware of them. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into some of the realities of sugar relationships And I'll preface, we're going to use a lot of uh, stories from sugar babies uh, to draw on to what these realities are. Yes, BuzzFeed actually has several articles posted on their site that feature quotes from sugar babies. Many of the quotes share the positive insights of being a sugar baby. But we are going to focus on the arguably more realistic quotes about the nature of transactional relationships. We're going to take turns reading you guys some of these quotes that specifically highlight the emotional toll that sugar relationships take and its impact on self-esteem. I'm going to go first. The shopping and trips were exciting for someone that grew up poor. It made me feel powerful to be sought after and have men willing to pay to be with me at first. By the end, it left me with much lower self-esteem in myself as a person, and unhealthy beliefs about men and relationships. Beliefs like sex is transactional, sex is an obligation. Men only want you for your looks and your youth. Women lose value as they age. Men will cheat or leave their wives as they age for someone younger, etc. Once you've seen how many men are not attracted to women their own age, 
and are willing to cheat on their wives of decades like it's nothing, it loses all glamorous appeal. Any financial benefit was far outweighed by the risks and damage to my emotional self and beliefs about relationships. It's been incredibly hard trying to believe I'm worth more than my looks and body. And as I've gotten older, left me with a fear of aging as a woman. I regret doing it and wish I'd had older people in my life looking out for my best long-term interests, not just trying to fuck me. I was a plus-size sugar baby and knew a lot of straight-size sugar babies. The treatment of plus-size girls is vastly different. Sugar daddies would expect more from me despite me clearly laying out boundaries that they agreed to because they felt as though I owed them more since they were settling for less than what they deserved. Others would try to pay you less than they would a straight size sugar baby because you're worthless. If you're anything other than thin and young, it'll destroy your self-esteem because some sugar daddies can be so abusive and hurtful. First off, It's important to appreciate the women who are willing to come forward to share the harmful side of sugar relationships. And they give people who are considering this form of dating a much better reality of things that they might expect. And really, the big takeaway from these quotes in particular is the effect that transactional relationships have on self-esteem of sugar babies. Uh, Sugar babies can lose their self-esteem, their self-worth through these relationships, which rely heavily on their looks and their age. Uh, When sex is a major component in relationships, it can groom the babies to believe that it is an obligation to the parent. Um, If and when these babies get out of the sugar dating world and try to form genuine relationships with people, they are faced with these insecurities and misconceptions about sex. So imagine being in these kinds of relationships for years. You are basically programming yourself to remove emotion and only value yourself on what you look like and what you're doing in the bedroom. So if you're trying to enter the quote unquote real world and date somebody and actually fall in love with somebody, it's going to be very challenging to not view yourself as valuable or worth anything. And you're probably going to have a very difficult time having any type of sexual relationship with somebody because you've probably detached yourself far from any type of deep connection. Right. So really these transactional relationships set very much a false expectations Um, and unrealistic expectations for lasting relationships Um, and in fact make it very difficult for people to then enter into what are considered more typical or standard relationships that are based on love. And in addition to the self-esteem and making genuine connections with people, you also have the struggle of power dynamics that are going to arise in relationship or that are going to arise in relationships specifically for sugar babies. And again, we're going to read more quotes from people who have been sugar babies and were willing to share their experiences. Thank you. These were posted in El Pays 
and they did an interview with three different sugar babies on the power dynamics that they had experienced as sugar babies. Again, we're going to read a quote from each and then discuss them. May 1st again. It was as if my body didn't belong to me. I didn't know what I was doing. He took control of the entire date and I did not know how to set limits to say no. But I, like many other girls, had already slept with people without really wanting to. And I thought, at least now I'm getting paid. Being a prostitute sounds bad, but being a sugar baby might sound cool. That's why I think it is so dangerous. I'm a normal girl who studies. And without intending to be, I was a prostitute. It can happen to anyone, just like it happened to me. Maybe not everyone coerces you into having sex, but still a sugar baby is still selling her sexual appeal so that a man with money can show her off to his co-workers. These quotes really reveal the power dynamics of sugar relationships in which the babies face the reality of being submissive to the power of the sugar parent. The parents are the ones that have the ultimate control in these relationships, despite that false sense of empowerment that many sugar babies initially feel or or are told are a part of this relationship. And Sugar parents have this perceived ownership of the sugar baby because they're paying for them. These power dynamics specifically have been further observed by psychologist Kanika Bell, who stated these relationships can cause the parents to have a perceived ownership over the babies, which creates unintentional emotional attachments. One sugar daddy was quoted saying, I see them, referring to the sugar babies, as companions, but I know for a fact they get emotionally invested i've had men yell at me like an angry boyfriend for not communicating with them and again i i think too that part interestingly about how the sugar daddy even admitted that sugar babies you know they know that they do get emotionally invested because it's hard not to when you spend so much time with somebody and if sex is a part of that um relationship it would be hard for somebody, especially that young, to not be emotionally invested. And so that's just another reason as to how they can be more vulnerable to exploitation outside of age uh, differences or financial differences. They're at very different stages emotionally as well. Um, but then two, um, the power dynamics and sugar relationships can also impact the actual health of sugar babies. Uh, research conducted by Kirkby and colleagues discovered a decrease in condom use uh, in dynamics where the sugar parent had more power. This is particularly dangerous as well over half of sugar relationships are not exclusive. Sugar babies are 6.5 times more likely to have a sexually transmitted infection over women not involved in sugar dating. As it stands, there are no protections to women's safety and health who connect uh, with men through sugaring. I think this is something that people generally don't think of when they're considering entering a sugar relationship or even are already in a sugar relationship. We hear that people are setting their terms, setting their limits, not allowing 
somebody else to cross the line. It's a lot easier to say you're going to set the limits. But when it comes down to it, you're most likely going to get coerced into giving more than you are willing, even if you verbally agree, because you will get that new handbag or maybe even a new car. But like Isabel just said, a lot of sugar relationships are not exclusive. So there could be a lot of sleeping around with many different partners, which leads to this risk of STIs. Well, I think too, for a lot of times, uh, there is this initial sense of ideas for boundaries that uh, sugar babies will set in their mind, like, you know, protection is going to be used um, or even, you know, I'm not going to have sex with them. But then when it comes to actually enforcing those boundaries, it can be a lot more intimidating when um, you're trying to do so with somebody who is significantly older than you. Um, And so then uh, those boundaries end up not getting upheld because there is a sense of force from the sugar daddy because they are paying for that uh, sugar baby to be there technically. So that point about condom use really starts to bring us into the conversation about potential physical harms of sugar relationships. Uh, Any relationship that has a power imbalance leaves the possibility for danger to the vulnerable party. Now, this does not mean that every relationship with an age gap or imbalance in bringing in income is harmful or exploitative. The key, though, with sugar relationships is that they are inherently rooted in money and one person is more vulnerable than the other in several different senses. And so there is that increased risk. Transactional relationships are consensual because both parties agree to their terms, which, again, is one of the reasons babies might feel as if they are in control. However, we're going to keep stressing this. The parents wield the power in the decision-making process of the relationships. They control the funding for allowances, gifts, trips, etc., And they can just as easily take those things away from the baby if they don't comply with their demands. And I think, too, a lot of people might think, well, you know, the sugar baby could just withhold something if the sugar daddy isn't complying. Like, it can be both ways. But in reality, that's not true. Because the sugar baby is the one who is reliant on that money to pay bills, to pay tuition, And so they're at a disadvantage no matter what. They don't have that power to hold stuff from the sugar daddy like the sugar daddy can to them because they don't technically need anything and they can just go find themselves another sugar baby. You know, sugar babies come and go, but money is forever to these guys. So they will just move on to the next because somebody else will be willing to go that step further. Exactly. Uh, There is a quote from a sugar baby where she stated that you can feel a false sense of power when you're getting money, but so often the daddies think that they own you. They see you as a product they've bought and can do anything they want with. You feel like your consent no longer means anything because they've paid you. It 
it's a kind of coercion. And I think that just brings us right back to that ownership. If you bought and paid for it, it's yours. And that is the mentality with a lot of sugar parents. Now, when discussing potential harms, uh, some question whether sugar dating is just another form of prostitution, which is something that we've kind of been hinting at throughout this episode and the last one. Um, And in terms of prosecuting sugar relationships as prostitution, there's three categories of sugar relationships that have been defined. Uh, In legal terms, sugar relationships have been categorized into three categories of definitions and reasonings as to how they uh, legally avoid the label of prostitution. Still, the dynamic remains questionable, and some responses and categories are going to be more unclear than others. Um, And these that I'm about to read, they came from an article titled Trading Sex for College Tuition, How Sugar Daddy Dating Sites Made Maybe Sugarcoating Prostitution, and it was published in Penn State Law Review. Okay, so a Category 1 arrangement is exchanging sex for money without the aspect of companionship. Here, the sugar baby's allowance is given on a per-meeting basis instead of monthly. This category is the most difficult to clearly distinguish from prostitution. Prostitution is focused on sexual activity as a business, financially struggling students looking to generate income to pay for tuition, uh, books or their living expenses may fall into this business category. However, these forms of sugar relationships leave a large degree of interpretation to the courts and there is fear that charges of prostitution of a Category 1 arrangement would be inconsistent um, in a timely ordeal for prosecutors. So we had kind of touched on this a little bit in our last episode on sugaring. We said that the loophole to avoiding legal penalties for sugaring was that it was based on it being a relationship and not a business. So basically, this category one is saying, we're not even going to try to bother to differentiate between this being a relationship between two people or being a business. We're not going to waste the time or the energy or the money. We're just going to let it be what it is. Right. It's like, well, these people say it's a relationship and therefore it's going to be difficult to show that it is prostitution. Um, And it's really just reliant on people's word. And so there's very little to go off of. Now, a Category 2 arrangement, um, these are long-term relationships with high social companionship. These arrangements are similar to traditional relationships with the added component of sex and money. These arrangements fall into the social companionship safe harbor of prostitution laws and therefore avoid criminal liability. This reminds me of one of the definitions we went over in last episode. So if you haven't listened, please go back or you might be a little lost. So this category is basically just a standard sugar relationship. There's nothing more or less to discuss about that one. Right. It's literally just, well, there is this social companionship component to the relationship. It's more than just sex for money. And so it does not fall into prostitution. 
Gotcha. Now, Category 3 arrangements involve long-term sex for money exchanges with little social companionship. Appreciate the difference here. Uh, here, sugar babies might be paid on a per-meeting basis or a monthly allowance, and there is great variation. This category does not receive the same scrutiny as a Category 1 arrangement because there is still a degree of social companionship. These are the most challenging arrangements for prosecutors as they require a fact-specific inquiry into the actual agreement. Additionally, sugar sites have avoided any charges of fostering prostitution as they are largely immune from the activities of their users. So you said these are challenging because they require a fact-specific inquiry. So I don't think that most sugar relationships are written in a contract form. So there is not going to be any type of fact-specific inquiry. It's just going to be, yeah, we agreed on this. And, you know, last week we kind of changed things around and this is how it is now. So there's, it's just so vague. I feel like you can never really prosecute this type of relationship because it can constantly change. And as long as it's based in some type of social companionship, friendship, friendship with benefits aspect, they're going to be safe from the law. Exactly. You'd really have to narrow it down with people into the actual like minute details of their relationship. And that can be so hard for even the people in it to like, clearly define sometimes. Um, essentially, it would just be very challenging to show that sugar relationships are prostitution and websites are pretty much protected from the activities of their users. And so despite the activity occurring on sugar dating sites, even if there is straight up prostitution occurring, um, there was, the sites don't really uh, remain liable and they're able to continue um, providing their, uh, provide their service. I mean, in episode two, we did talk about Backpage.com and how taking legal action against websites is so difficult. Another danger associated with sugar relationships and sugar dating sites is human trafficking. Right, You guys all saw this coming. Of course, we have to talk about it. I want to first explain this through the definition of human trafficking. In the U.S., human trafficking is legally defined as the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain a person and use them sexual favors or labor. The mechanism behind human trafficking is an action to obtain an individual, a means through force, fraud, or coercion, to subject the victim to complete the purpose, which is sex acts or labor. And in terms of sugar dating, the action can include the recruitment process of using sugar dating apps and websites, providing payments, gifts, trips, etc., in exchange for companionship and specifically in cases of sex trafficking, soliciting or patronizing, involving offering or receiving something of value. The means that can potentially be used in a sugar relationship may initially be fraud of false promises of the relationship expectancies, wages, or unexpected changes in the relationship, coercion by threats of harm, psychological manipulation, or shame-inducing threats to share information, 
and further along in these relationships, force through physical restraints and sexual assault may occur. Finally, the purpose of a sugar relationship may fall into commercial sex acts involuntary servitude if the baby believes they will be in harm's way if they don't comply with the parent's demands, or peonage based on the presence of real or believed indebtedness the sugar baby may have towards the parent. Something that is important to note and can be um, and can help expand on one of the myths that we have talked about um, in previous episode is that sugar babies willingly create accounts on sugar dating sites and choose which parents to accompany. So on the surface, sugar babies voluntarily enter into these relationships. However, just because something started off as consensual does not mean that it cannot turn into abuse. The 2020 Global Report on Trafficking in Persons cited that 13% of known trafficking victims, and this is globally, were trafficked by their intimate partner. This leads to whether the sugar babies are more likely to become victims of human trafficking than the average relationship. There is still very little data um, on this um, up-and-coming relationship dynamic. However, given the power dynamics between parents and babies, um, and the countless uh, personal stories uh, all reveal that this might potentially be the case. The sex and money exchange cannot be written off as empowering like the media is attempting to claim. One senior undergraduate student in New York commented, most girls who go on that website speaking of seeking arrangements are desperate. I was desperate. So Let's go back um, to the force, fraud, and coercion aspect of the human trafficking definition for a second. So one way in which the monetary component of sugar relationships can foster trafficking is through the power and balance of the relationship. Sugar babies are often desperate for money. By engaging in a monetary relationship, they are expected to engage in certain activities outlined by the sugar daddy. Now, they can become more demanding of the sugar baby over time, leading to coercion. Leanne, um, a pen name here, uh, she's a community college student, tells of how she joined a sugar dating app to meet an older man who would financially take care of her. After a week of talking, they met up in a public place for a date, and their interactions occurred just as Leanne imagined. He was kind and brought her nice gifts. Uh, Through building trust, he led her to believe that he would care for her and protect her. Eventually, he asked her to drop out of school and live with him. Leanne felt she had to comply with this request because of the degree to which he, quote-unquote, invested in us. She was fully dependent on him and had no friends or family to reach out to when the abuse began. The sugar daddy repeated that Leanne was his property. There is a mentality from the sugar daddy that I will get what I paid for. He can leverage the lifestyle that he has provided and guilt his sugar baby into believing that she owes him. This situation you're describing in particular reminds me of episode four. We talked about trauma bonding and you see that kind of 
emotional roller coaster where he gives her gifts, showers her with affection, and kind of separates her from her closest family and friends to the point where he is the most significant person in her life. And she can only rely on him. And she doesn't have an education or a job to fall back on to gain her independence back. He has basically claimed her as his own property. And he's just able to manipulate her and guilt her into staying with him because he has done so much for her. Exactly. It just becomes hard to then say no. And so you have feel that coercion. Another avenue is fraud and deception. A 25-year-old told of her experience starting as a sugar baby. Her sugar daddy had promised her $2,500 for sex, and he covered the hotel room cost. He pretended to pay her through a phony PayPal transaction and then fled after they had sex. There is no protection in place for women who fall victim to these scams. While the specific statistics are unknown, nonprofits have discovered that there are cases where girls as young as 14 have actually managed to join these sugar dating uh, sites. Uh, While some might question if sexual exploitation is a risk in sugar relationships, these cases automatically become sex crimes because a minor is involved. This is interesting to me because when I was 14, I don't believe I had a bank account yet. I don't think I was working. So I would, my first question is, how is a 14-year-old getting paid? Is it through a wire transaction or are they meeting this person? And where are they storing all of this money that their parent doesn't see it? Those are all very fair questions. And it really just shows um, that it is very important for, um, like one of the quotes from the sugar babies we mentioned earlier, to have older people in your life who are genuinely interested in your well-being and will share their advice with you um, and help protect you. On the surface, sugar dating sounds easy. It sounds empowering. It sounds like easy money, especially if you're young and beautiful. You can scam any man to give you money as long as you're young and pretty and maybe have half of a personality, right? You may fall victim to power dynamics where you're on the lower end of that. You can become exploited. You can become isolated from your friends and family etc. The list goes on. And each situation is unique in itself. And everybody's sugar story is different, which is important to keep in mind. But ultimately, with, you know, the media trying to glamorize sugar relationships, and it appearing on the outside when you see sugar babies, it appears to be glamorous. I hope after listening to this episode, uh, you feel more aware of the real dangers uh, that encompass sugar dating. Um, And we'll share the word on that um, and discuss it with people uh, to help, you know, everyone grow their understanding in the evolving nature of relationships in our social world. Sugar ain't always sweet. All right, Isabel, will you bring us today's myth? 
Of course, today's myth comes from Polaris Project, and it is that human trafficking involves moving, traveling, or transporting a person across state or national borders. In reality, human trafficking is often confused with human smuggling, in, uh, which involves illegal border crossings. In fact, the crime of human trafficking does not require any movement whatsoever. Survivors can be recruited and trafficked in their own hometowns and even in their own homes. We have said in the past that human trafficking does not fit into a small box. It is such a broad topic that everybody should learn more about and especially learn these signs. And it is so important to know how common familial trafficking is because it is a very common form of trafficking. Thank you as always for bringing us that myth. And as always to our audience, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We really hope you enjoyed this two-part sugar series as much as we did. And we are more than willing to give you more. So let us know what you want us to research and dive further into on the sugar sphere. Yes, we would love to do a part three. Yes, there is so much to unpack with this topic. And maybe we could even get more into the legal aspect. But let us know what you think. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay updated when new episodes release. And follow us on all of our social media pages. And we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.